Hey folks, another busy week of politically charged legal news making the headlines. Last week, a jury in Minneapolis found Derek Chauvin guilty of murdering George Floyd. Now there are many questions surrounding Chauvin's sentence and whether he will appeal the conviction. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court agreed to hear a key Second Amendment case, giving the court's conservative majority an opportunity to broaden the right to carry firearms in public. And Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that DOJ will launch pattern and practice investigations into the police departments in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Louisville, Kentucky. Joyce Vance and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And for a limited time, use the code JOYCE for 50% off the annual membership price. We look forward to having you as part of the Insider community. So there was some other big news yesterday, Monday, April 26th. The Supreme Court, we're familiar with the Supreme Court, right, Joyce? The Supreme Court of the United States of America has decided to take up a case involving the Second Amendment. And some folks might say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, they don't do it very often. Unlike some other hot button issues that the court takes up, they've really not focused on Second Amendment issues and gun regulations on a regular basis. The, the last really major decision, as people may recall, was in 2008 in a case called Heller that involved the District of Columbia. The court held in a, an opinion, famous opinion, now notorious, depending on your perspective, written by the late Antonin Scalia, held for the first time, and this might be surprising to people, that it was for the first time in 2008, after two centuries of the Second Amendment being in existence, that there was an individual right to bear arms located in the language of the Second Amendment. And since then, there was another case that said, it's not only the federal government that can't abridge the right to bear arms by individuals, but also states, but they've largely stayed away from it. And now we have a case that arises in my home state, New York, that went up to the Second Circuit, that involves the issue of being able to carry a gun outside your home. So the law so far, there's been a consensus that you can't take away the right of self-defense within your home. But it's a more open question, and tell me if I have this right, Joyce, it's a more open question of whether or not you have a fundamental constitutional right to self-defense by carrying a weapon, and then we can get into the complicated question of whether it's, you know, you can openly carry it or conceal it. But for now, the real issue is whether or not you can carry a firearm around for self-defense. And, and the, the issue in New York is it's very, very hard to get a license to carry a weapon outside your home notoriously. In fact, it's so notorious that we, we brought a criminal case against a number of police officers in the NYPD who were running a scam where they would be bribed to be able to give people licenses because it's done through the NYPD. And some people really want to carry firearms and it's really hard. So they were paying bribes to cops to be able to do so. And the Supreme Court has decided to take up this case, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, be correlate to address the question of whether or not the New York restriction that makes it very hard to carry a gun outside your home is constitutional or not. Did I get that right? I think you're exactly right. And it's a fascinating case. You know, we live in two states with very different cultures when it comes to Alabama guns. and in, New York in are Alabama, different. Yeah, they actually are. Um, I know that's a shocker. <laughs> uh, 
You do need a permit for concealed carry down here, but you pretty much just go to the sheriff's department, and as long as you don't have a prior conviction, maybe even if you do, they're going to issue it to you. So in some states, I think like Alabama, Corlett is being viewed as the logical next extension of Heller, but it's an awfully tough sell not legally, but in the context of what's going on in our society, where there are mass shootings with great regularity. It seems sort of crazy, just law aside for a second, this notion that we would make it possible for people without really even a second thought to carry guns in public. But that's basically the status quo in most of the country. As I understand it, there are only eight states, and you're being one of them, that make it difficult. As you point out, it's easy in Alabama that make it difficult to get a license to carry a gun outside your home. So in, in some ways, you know, for me, culturally, having been a New Yorker uh, and grew up in New Jersey, same situation, you know, we, I don't, you don't see people carrying firearms in the streets or in grocery stores, but in most of the country, you can get your gun, right? I mean, when you walk around in Alabama, how many guns do you see? You know, where we live, not so many. But the further outside of Birmingham you get, it's really not unusual to see people um, just openly carrying firearms, sometimes long guns, uh, which is a little bit trippy, right? To go into Starbucks and the guy next to you is packing a pistol on his hip. Yeah. And if you look at the New York law and requirement that's being challenged here, I think it makes sense. But you can see, given the makeup of the court and what goes on in other parts of the country, why it might be at risk. The New York courts have established that an applicant, you know, to get a license to carry a gun outside your home must, quote, demonstrate a special need for self-protection distinguishable from that of the general community or of persons engaged in the same profession, end quote. So even if you're in a high crime area, Paul Clement will argue and has argued, and you think there's a reasonable need to be able to protect yourself, the New York law is unforgiving on that. And so they're going to say that there should be some easier ability to be able to carry a gun. And because you have this individual right to bear arms in the Constitution, that's not something that should be taken away easily. There shouldn't be a high threshold because it's a fundamental constitutional right, and they will take some comfort in what Heller says. It sounds pretty open and shut when you when you put it out like that, and they've picked a really good plaintiff here. One of the plaintiffs applied for a firearm claiming that there had been a rash of robberies in his neighborhood and he he needed to have a firearm for self-protection. So it sounds like very much core Second Amendment sort of stuff. And, and that's one of the issues here is, is how the court will view these sorts of laws that restrict gun ownership. Will it require that they be subjected to strict scrutiny, which is a test that the court sometimes uses for these core rights? Do you think that they'll use that sort of an analysis to decide the case, Preet? So the question of what standard they will use will hinge on whether or not they think that this regulation, the New York regulation that makes it hard to get a carry license, impinges on something that is core to the Second Amendment. Is it something that's central to the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms? Or is it in the nature of a legitimate and reasonable regulation, because all rights can be limited to some degree, including the First Amendment right to free speech and assembly and press and everything else? And so I guess the question is, you know, what, what will the court think is a core Second Amendment right? 
That's right. And if they view this as being core to the Second Amendment, as being critical to the exercise by Americans of their Second Amendment rights, then they will use this higher standard and subject the New York law to strict scrutiny, which is a very skeptical level of review that seems to doom many statutes to an an early death on constitutional grounds. And the consequence of that, of course, is not just that this law will be at risk, this reasonable restriction will be at risk, but the concern on the part of some people, depending on how the opinion is written and what phraseology is used, is will it then jeopardize, you know, a whole species of regulations that this new court in deciding this new issue will say is violative of a core Second Amendment right? And if they shift what it means to be a violation of a core Second Amendment right, then other regulations that are not along these lines, you know, but are related to them and fall in the same category may also be at risk as well. And that's the concern in the gun safety community. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. It's not limited to the facts in this case. There are a lot of restrictions on gun laws that are in place to keep communities safe that would potentially fall by the wayside, depending on how broad this decision is when it comes down. By the way, what the the, the petitioner, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, have going for it, separate from whatever legal support they can find for their position, is they have the former Solicitor General, Paul Clement, who's a really excellent lawyer, who's basically making a, you know, a legal argument that might find very sympathetic ears on the Supreme Court. It will undoubtedly find sympathetic ears. It's tough to believe that with the last-minute addition of Justice Barrett to the court that a majority that will change the law here, that will extend Heller to public carrying of firearms doesn't exist. That majority seems to be uh, pretty central, frankly, to the shift on this court. You know, if there's any doubt about how Amy Coney Barrett will vote, and, you know, you and I talked about this probably in many forums when her nomination was pending, she dissented in the case that got a lot of attention in the Seventh Circuit, where she served before being on the Supreme Court, as recently as 2019, on a law that you and I have both enforced Many, many times, it's it's the question of whether or not a, a felon is permitted to be in possession of a firearm. And it's a broad statute, and some people don't like the statute, but it's been upheld on constitutional grounds again, and I mean, literally, I think, scores of times around the country. And she wrote in her dissent, well, you know, that, that law is maybe too broad, and she understands that if you've been convicted of a violent offense, your right to bear arms should be taken away. But if you've been convicted of something like fraud, wire fraud or mail fraud, well, that doesn't really make you a dangerous person, and maybe you shouldn't be denied your right to have a firearm, which, you know, to some crowds will sound kind of reasonable. For those of us who know what the legal landscape has been with respect to the Second Amendment and that statute, 922G, it's kind of radical. And I know we're here to discuss the law, but purely from a a position of, do we want to live in safe communities that aren't scarred by repetitive gun violence. This case seems like it was poorly advised for the Supreme Court to take it up. They only took this case with the intent to change the law. It seems unlikely that they would be hearing this if they just wanted to say, hey, good good job, New York. Keep your restrictive laws in place. Right. Well, because they had an opportunity to take up this issue last summer when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was still with us, and it's uncertain how the entire court would have ruled, and they did not do so. So I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody is saying, and I talked to some people who were experts on this issue uh, yesterday who think it's it's pretty, I mean, you never know, right? People have been wrong about other things, including the ACA. 
But on this point, it seems a fairly foregone conclusion that they're going to do away with the law. And I think it'll be a clear vote, right? It will be interesting to see where the chief justice votes, but I would expect him to be in the majority on this one. So, uh, Joyce, let's end the show talking about a a mystery uh, and a public safety hazard that wasn't really covered much in the press. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. And for a limited time, use the code Joyce for 50% off the annual membership price. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.